Bill English, who tweets as Minnesota Bill from BibleAndBusiness.com, joins me again today. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thanks. Say, when you hear that that walk-up music, do you like to get in, in your studio and start dancing a little bit to Huey Lewis there? I, uh, I I dance to some people's music, and I don't dance to other people's music. So <laughs> it's a, She's not going like, to admit it, is she, Paul? I, no. There's I don't think of, so. I, I think she really dances to Beastie Boys when we have Hunter Dane. There's no Dane. dancing. I'm not. I'm like a Baptist now. I don't dance. Oh, well, that's a whole other... <laughs> <laughs> so this is a conversation. Okay, so this is a conversation that at some point you guys should have with my husband because I was the bride of no when it came to are we gonna have like a dance where we dance? I'm like, no. Why would we dance in front of people? What? No. Well, Presbyterians no, any, dance. Any dance? This is not. Yeah, this is not about religion. This is totally. <laughs> this is totally about my uh, not not feeling the need to dance in front of other people ever. So I, I'm not even going to tell you whether or not I dance in my studio. It's, All a good right, question. Okay. it's a good question, but I'm going to leave it unanswered. All right. Sounds good. That's so, why we don't have a camera. <laughs> so um, I'm sure everyone just enjoyed the meeting we just had, which ended definitively by um, my simply making a pronouncement. Bill, is that a good or a bad way to uh, to start and end a meeting? I think it's a great way to start and end a meeting. You start definitively, you end definitively, and <laughs> we had a great meeting. Thank you, Carmen. Have a good day. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, let's um let's talk about some complaints that people have about meetings. Um and then let's talk about what makes a meeting genuinely productive. Let's get into people's business today by talking about the business of meetings. The business of meetings. Did you know that US companies spend more than 37 billion a year on people's time to be in meetings? Mm. Uh 71% of senior managers view them as unproductive and the average manager spends 23 23 hours a week in meetings uh, and 73%. No, wait a second. Yeah. If they're, well, they're probably working more than a 40 hour work week, which folks should know that people in management, people that are, you know, like working as professionals, we do work more than 40 hours a week. But 23 hours of that in meetings seems a little crazy. Uh, listen, it happens. I've been, I've been at other companies, not the one that I'm leading right now, but I've been at other companies where it's just meeting after meeting after meeting. And, uh, that's why 73% of people do other work during meetings. They bring in their Mm. laptops and their cell phones and they sit there and do other work while they're in meetings. Which we like to call multitasking, but it's not necessarily helpful or productive for relationships or for the meeting. Correct. Okay, so what makes meetings productive? What makes meetings productive? When A, people have a clear reason to be there, not just to be informed peripherally, but they have a clear reason to be there. They have a definite contribution that they need to make, not just maybe want to make. Uh, They advance the core company priorities uh, with the others uh, who are in the meetings. And uh, usually these meetings are linked to some kind of a purpose. They're linked to some kind of a strategy, uh, some kind of, a, of an overall goal or overarching effort that the company is engaged in. Those four things. So those are my kind of meetings. I like those kind of meetings. Um, let me just acknowledge to you, I have been in some meetings where it became really apparent to me that for at least some of the people, particularly the person who called the meeting, the meeting was about having a meeting. Yeah. The meeting was about yeah. being together as a group. The meeting was about, um, I'm going to use a terrible word here, but in my perception of what was going on, preening, like preening. The person was just like preening their feathers in front of the rest of us. And that's not a meeting. So 
Speak into the lives of people today who are convening meetings, calling meetings, um, the, the person who is actually responsible for moving the meeting along, and let them know that just because a meeting is on the calendar doesn't mean a meeting has to happen if there's no purpose for the meeting. A lot of people do not, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people do not prep for meetings well. And one of the things that they don't prep for is the purpose of the meeting, like like you're mm. talking about. So, you know, we, we need to talk about something. Okay, well, let's grab Jim and Susie and Juan and, and Maria, and let's just get together for 15 minutes, and let's make sure we hash this out. We have an impromptu meeting that turns into an hour-long conversation where people are talking about all kinds of stuff. And, we, yeah, we kind of get around to the topic at hand, but it, it's it's kind of a waste of time, too. Those kinds of purposeless purpose. How do I say the word? I'm not saying it today. <laughs> Purposeless. Purpose, yeah, thank you. Uh, and, and aimless is probably a better word. Uh, meetings just drive people crazy, and they waste time, and they waste productivity. And frankly, they sour people on going to more meetings. So if you are leading meetings, make sure you have a, a definite reason to meet and what you expect the outcome to be. Not in terms of what the decision is, but how the decision is going to be made. If you just meet to share information, you can do that through email. You should share information through email or internal portals of some sort. Uh, You should have meetings to make decisions or to at least move the ball down the field towards a decision. Okay, so, um, Bill, let's talk next about what we can do when we identify uh, that we're in a meeting or a meeting cycle that's that's sort of uh, I- emblematic of these common complaints. And so um, let's have that conversation when we come back. You're okay. listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm continuing my conversation with Bill English. We're getting into your business and the business of your business today, talking about meetings. And we're going to keep talking about it in just a minute. Okay, so if you've ever been in a meeting or, frankly, you've ever been running a meeting and you absolutely knew that people were not feeling like the meeting was productive, maybe uh, there were one or two people who were dominating the conversation and you as the facilitator did not know actually how to get other people engaged in the conversation. Um, Maybe you are the offender. Maybe we need to help you stop being the person that dominates a conversation in a meeting. Bill, let's just start with that particular complaint and let's equip um, let's equip folks to, you know, be a positive influence in the meetings uh, that we're in. When one or two people dominate a conversation in a meeting, you need to kind of interject, especially if you're the facilitator, and let the group know that you'd like to hear from more than those one or two people. And I've done this in meetings. It's a kind of an awkward thing to do, but it's necessary to get the other people involved. Uh, also, <clears throat> ask, per- ask permission. You know, if if Sally isn't saying much, say, Sally, can I ask your permission to, to find out what you're really thinking here? And by that way, by doing it that way, you not only ask permission, but you also ask her to participate. Sally may or may not say anything, of course. So also say, also set a ground rule in all your meetings that you do not leave a topic until everybody has had a chance to say what they want to say about that topic. So even if one or two people are dominating, it's just going to extend the meeting. Usually the others in the in, in the group will start to interject and, and uh, balance out that conversation a little bit. So those are some things you can do when people dominate a particular meeting. What if I know I am a dominator? How, how do I stop? How do I, like, 
You know, other people aren't chiming in. I'm, I got, I got thoughts on everything. I'm jumping in. I mean, the, when the question is asked, I'm, you know, I'm quick to the trigger. Um, help me sort of settle into uh, the meeting as a joyful participant among many. You know, I, Carmen, I really think it's about anxiety and delayed gratification. I've got something to say, and I just can't control myself, so I say it. Uh, you know, <laughs> some of these people just need to learn some delayed gratification. So walk. You know, practice it, right? Walk by a box of chocolates and don't have any chocolates. Delay your gratification on something. Learn to just be quiet. You know, I, I, I don't I'm taking know. notes. <laughs> oh, come on. You are not. Learn to you be are quiet. not a dominator in meetings. I know that. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, I bet if we took a survey <clears throat> of people <clears throat> that have been in meetings with me and, and, yes. um, um, I actually, I just got a text from somebody who said, yes, you are a dominator and I am too. So apparently, <laughs> um, uh, apparently the, the, uh, the people who know me well, uh, are thinking to themselves, okay, yeah, you know what she, but sometimes, you know, I'm in a meeting or an event, a conversation with people who are overwhelmingly introverted and they're not speak up in public kind of people. No, they're so, not. So there are there's an advantage to having some one-on-ones or yes. some very small yes. conversations versus just a y'all come kind of meeting. So talk about the value of different kinds of meetings. You know, well, I but you know what the the facilitator needs to understand the personalities that are going to be in that meeting and the facilitator as part of the prep for the meeting may very well need to do some of those one-on-ones initially and kind of prep them to say you know, you need to express these viewpoints in the meeting and encourage them to do that. Uh, I have done that in the past, and it, it it is amazing when the strong introvert who never says anything actually says something, how everybody else kind of sits up and listens, because they know that, that this person doesn't say much often, so we better listen when they do say something. That, that, is, that is a tip that I've used uh, throughout, the, throughout the years. So, so Jessica in Atlanta um, just texted, um, thank Bill, this is really a Carmen intervention. Oh, no, come on. This is not a Carmen intervention. No. It's okay. No. It's okay. I, you know, I, sometimes uh, sometimes we need to, the, the truth spoken to us in ways that, I mean, I wrote down like, you know, oh, anyway, I'm taking notes. Okay. Most of our meetings are are just passing along information a lot of that could easily be dealt with in other ways other than sort of interrupting everybody's day, calling us together in one place and going through the motions of of a of an informational meeting versus actually dealing with issues, talking through issues. So um, how do we. Let's let's ask this question. <clears throat> if I'm not the facilitator, if I'm not the meeting convener, how do I help up the chain? How do I help the up up whatever that's called? Everybody above me. How do I help them? not call meetings that don't need to be called? Uh, ooh, ouch. Uh, you know, you, you probably handle that one-on-one with your bosses and your managers, and you say, I just don't think we need this many meetings. Let's focus these meetings and see what we can get done. And then volunteer to be a facilitator of the meeting, volunteer to be the prepper of the meeting, volunteer your your services and see if they don't take you up on it. Look, there's a lot of managers who don't like to lead meetings. <clears throat> they might be in a position where they have the authority to call the meeting, but they themselves, they don't really either care or desire to be the facilitator of it. So volunteer and then just run the meeting accordingly. 
So folks who are looking for um, notes on our conversation today can actually go to BibleAndBusiness.com. Bill has very graciously posted this content uh, on a new post called Death by Meeting. Uh, And so let me encourage you to go and grab that at BibleAndBusiness.com if you're trying to take notes and you're probably not in a safe place to do that. Let's talk about taking notes and let's talk about meeting follow-up because this for me is the critical point. If we're in a meeting and there's just lots of wide open conversation about things, I'm not always clear who is supposed to do what and in what time frame following the meeting. So talk with us about a, a the good meeting practice that follows a meeting. So GMP, good meeting practice, right? So we're going to send out a meeting summary of what was said, not was said, but kind of the, the, the decisions that were made and maybe a little bit of the thought history behind the decisions along with the task assignments. Sally's going to do A, Billy's going to do B, Juan's going to do C, Carmen's going to do D, that kind of thing, okay? And then at the next meeting, <clears throat> the very first agenda item should be follow-up on those task meetings, on, on those task assignments. You know, Sally, did you get your thing done? Bill, did you get your thing done? Carmen, where are you at with this? And you you literally do that. We do at the business that we're in, we, we call it scrumming, S-C-R-U-M. Uh, we call it scrumming. And there are some things that we scrum every day, and that means that every day we have a meeting about a particular process that we're trying to implement. It's what's going on right now. And uh, every day people have task assignments that they need to get done that day, and the next day we follow up. Did you get it done? If you didn't, what were your roadblocks? What do you need? Is there another resource you need? Whatever. And every day we do this, and it is amazing over about a two- to three-week period how you can improve any process simply by scrumming it every day. And, and part of that is just helping people have better time management and stop doing things that they don't actually have to be doing. Yes, and, um, and, and, and in, focus. Focus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Bill, it's always a joy to talk with you. Again, uh, you guys can go to thebibleandbusiness.com. Today's post is Death by Meeting. Bill English, thank you for joining us again on Mornings with Carmen. You bet.